0: Hey, glad you could join us today. Um, of all the responses that people had to interacting with Jesus when Jesus was walking on the earth, the one that surprises me the most is the people who could listen to him teach and they just walk away. Um, they were thinking, I guess, that this isn't for me or this is too hard. And they just they would hear him say something that was amazing. And they just walked away saying this isn't this is going to change me now. Jesus never, like, chased after them. He never manipulated. He never begged. He never changed the terms. He let them walk away. Uh, and one of the stories, the rich young ruler, those of you that have grown up around the church kind of are familiar with that. Um, he just let this guy walk away. He didn't chase after him, saying, no, 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 please, please, this is, this is the truth, this is the way. And it's because Jesus was interested in transformation. He didn't just give people information. He didn't just give people answers. He drew them in with questions. And the ones that were interested, they would follow. And if they weren't, he would just let them go. He wanted people who wanted to be transformed. We're exploring that concept in this series called questions because as Jesus introduced this new way of thinking, he was constantly challenging the status quo with questions. Of course, he outlined it in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' manifesto, uh, the first shall be last, love your enemies, the meek shall inherit the earth, all those wonderful sayings that most people find incredibly compelling. He outlined the way the world should work, the way the world should be, and then he began to walk around kind of introducing that new way of thinking Often, just by asking questions. You could call it kingdom thinking. He was introducing kingdom thinking. It was this new way of challenging the status quo and the powers that be. Now, kingdom thinking isn't turn-by-turn turn directions. It's not like we have a list and we just follow it point-by-point. Uh, point. There's not always specific verses that clearly map onto any given situation we find ourselves in. Or any specific dilemma. It's not paint-by-numbers. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, A few years ago, I heard this story, read an article actually about this lifeguard that had been fired uh, for rescuing a guy's life. Now, that's not the whole story. So the deal is, each lifeguard on this beach in Miami is assigned to a specific zone, and the rule is you are not supposed to leave your zone. Now, his station was the last one before there were no lifeguards posted. Um, And the sign, big sign that says, no lifeguards, swim at your own risk. Of course, some guy went swimming, got in trouble, and the people on the beach shouted for the lifeguard to come rescue him. He radioed his supervisor and said, I got to leave my zone, I got to go save this guy, and the supervisor says, do not do that, it's against the rules, call 911, let the paramedics handle it, you stay in your zone. Well, this lifeguard had a decision to make, and he left his zone, violating the rules, and rescued the man, came back to his station, radioed his supervisor, and his supervisor said, you're fired. Now, I think this is interesting because here are two competing views of the world. Let me give you an example. You have this one way of thinking, the rules. The rules. This is important. Now, they're thinking, hey, there is a rule. The lifeguard knew the rule. There's a sign. The swimmer knew the risks. So the lifeguard has a responsibility to the people in his zone because what if while he was off saving this other person, something happened to someone who uh, was under the impression they were being protected? He could have called 911. He disobeyed a direct order. Rules are rules. That's one way of viewing the situation. And so a person that thinks of it that way would be like, yes, he should have been fired. The other way of viewing the situation may be something along the lines of values. This lifeguard is in this moment, this desperate moment, this unusual moment. And yes, there is a rule, but there is a human life at stake. And it may supersede keeping the rule. And furthermore, his job title is literally lifeguard. He is supposed to guard lives. Now, the rule is fine until it threatens to cause harm rather than help. And so this way of thinking would say he did the right thing and he should not have been fired these are competing moral visions for the way the world should be and should work now when we think about kingdom thinking i don't know if you notice this or not but our world is engaged in a few controversies right now. I mean, it feels like a higher percentage than usual, and people are getting worked up. In fact, as I'm preparing this sermon, I debated illustrating kind of the current state of controversy by alluding to a few of what I thought were the relatively minor or mild ones that are occurring right now. But then I talked to some wise people, and they said, no, everything is so supercharged with emotion that no matter what, people are so invested in these conflicts that the mere mention of Controversy would be, guess it, guess what, too controversial. So, controversy isn't just simply a difference of opinion. I mean, it's not as simple as that. You can like one kind of ice cream, I can like another. It's actually competing moral visions for the way the world should be. And because it's about a moral vision, both sides aren't just disagreeing, both sides are righteously indignant at the other side. So it's not just that I'm right, you're wrong, it's that I'm good and you're evil, or you're saying you're good and I'm evil. They're competing moral visions for the way the world should be. And so as Jesus introducing this new kingdom thinking, you can imagine that he got engaged in some controversy he had a competing moral vision for the world than the people around him a different one than the people around him and it made people mad some people really mad however i believe that kind of learning how jesus navigated controversy particularly how he unraveled these controversial confusing or complex problems and and often with just like a simple question it can give us a model for the moral complexity that we often face today Now the Gospel of Matthew is incredibly helpful in this regard. Um, It it, it actually gathers a number of these controversies together in in a few uh, chapters. So if you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 12. Now I want to be clear, we are not dealing with the same controversies that we're going to read about, but I think that reading them will give us some guiding principles that we can draw out and then we can map onto the things that we're facing today. Now, I do want to say this because this is something uh, my wife and I have talked about quite a bit. But in verses, uh, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, where he talks about, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. That is in the preceding chapters to the section we're going to read. And I don't think they're unrelated. I think there's an unfortunate chapter break there. But that's just a little deep dive if you want to go there. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick up some of the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Key in on that word unlawful. Now, we are clearly entering a different world. It's got different controversies than we're dealing with today. Uh, We don't always get the Sabbath thing. In fact, as you read this in, in a 21st century context, our question might be, like, whose property is this? Whose property are they wandering on? And whose grain are they eating? But the basic framework of controversy and conflict is the same. Now, just so we're on the same page, just real quick, the Sabbath. The Sabbath is this one day of the week that you are not supposed to work. Of the top 10 commandments listed in the Old Testament the book of Exodus chapter 20, this is number four. So it's a, it's a big one. And this is an important feature of this commandment. It is one of the commandments that you can clearly tell if other people are keeping. You can actually, you know, peek out your blinds and you can see if the neighbors are keeping or violating this commandment. And then if they're not doing the right thing, you can call the manager. So when you think of how the Pharisees were thinking about it, rules, they're thinking it is unlawful, it is breaking the rules. Rules are rules. You're breaking the rules. See, and this is how they thought of it. Picking grain is what farmers do for work. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, therefore picking grain on the Sabbath is unlawful. That is their moral vision for the way the world is. And they would say, listen, rules are rules. They are there for a reason. You can't break them. But then Jesus comes along and he's got a different value that he's applying here. Look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 3. He answered, Haven't you heard now? This is actually a question. He didn't actually answer. He asked a question Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry just like the disciples were he entered the house of God and He and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do but only for the priests Now, this is kind of interesting because this is completely different than what we'd expect. Jesus goes into this, like, deep dive into an obscure, relatively obscure Old Testament story out of the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21. Um, Now, he's talking to people who prided themselves on knowing the Bible. So it's like if you were talking to Minnesotans and you said, hey, did you know Minnesota had 10,000 lakes? A good, true Minnesotan would say, actually, Minnesota has 11,843 lakes, or whatever exactly it is. So, he's really, there's a little bit of an insult worked into this haven't you read. Now, look at what he says. Verse 4, he entered the house of God and he his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do. Now, David, of course, was going to be this, Future king, he's one of the most famous kings in Israel's his, history. And he walks into the tabernacle, the house of God, on Sabbath and eats the bread that was designated for God. This is God. This is bread that they made for God, not for the common person to just come in and eat. They literally called it show bread. It's like the uh, decorative um, hand towels in your mom's bathroom. They are not for drying your hands. They're only for looking So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 5, he goes on to explain, Or haven't you read in the law, again, what an insult, that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. In other words, he's saying that the priests work all Sabbath and God doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Jesus is saying there is a different value to be focused on here. If God's highest value were no work on the Sabbath, then the priests are breaking that every single Sabbath. And then he goes on to say something, and he anchors this truth in God's character. And this is incredibly important. Read verses uh, 6 through 8. In verse 6, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. That's he's referring to himself. If you had known what these words mean, and then he quotes Hosea 6.6. 6, and it's where God is making this statement. I desire mercy, not sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent. The innocent being the disciples who plucked grain on the Sabbath. Verse 8, for the Son of Man is a Lord of the Sabbath. Now this is huge. Jesus is saying, he's saying, here's how the rule should actually be applied in light of God's Values. He's not saying, I can do whatever I want. He's not here to abolish the law. He talked about that in the book of Matthew chapter 5. He's saying, if we want to reflect the character of God, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. And sacrifice was incredibly important, but God's heart was for mercy. Now, Jesus isn't done driving his point home yet. He goes on from there, verse 9. He says this. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful? Does it break the rules? Now, Jesus had a reputation for miraculously healing people, and the Pharisees knew something like that might be coming. And how jaded do you have to be to see somebody do the miraculous and then get upset at them? Like You know, it's like the total bureaucrat, sir, do you have a permit to do that miracle? Now... It, they are saying it's unlawful. And again, think about their logic. Healing people is what doctors do for work. Therefore, healing people is work. Therefore, you cannot work on the Sabbath. Rules are rules. You can't rescue people outside your lifeguarding zone. But then here's the kingdom vision of Jesus. The, the reflect the, the heart and values of God. Look in verse 11. He said to them, If any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Again, another question. And the guys knew they were busted because they knew that they did this. They knew they couldn't just leave a sheep in a pit to be eaten by wolves or die wherever on the Sabbath. So they knew that they were violating the Sabbath. They were making exceptions to this rule. And look what Jesus says, verse 12. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good, on the Sabbath. Wow, that is so interesting to think about. He's saying the Sabbath was designed to help people. It was designed to protect them from overworking, give them a, a day off to reflect on God's abundance. It's an act of trust. You can take a day off and you will still be provided for. That's what the Sabbath was all about. Now, they had taken that rule. And they had applied it in a way that hurt people. They had, like a lifeguard, they had commanded that there was this rule to follow that prevented them from saving a life. Jesus wasn't devaluing the rule, but they had applied it that was inconsistent with God's heart. It was inconsistent with God's values. They had neglected God's heart for mercy, and they were controlling people with the rule of sacrifice. Now, of course, in the story, the Pharisees hear Jesus, and they realize they're wrong. They say, sorry, we've messed up. They repent, and everyone lives happily ever after. Unfortunately, no. Verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. I mean, isn't that the perfect example of how people today respond to controversy? I mean, when their moral vision, when their rules are challenged, if you can't just admit you're wrong, then all you have left is rage. And you can see that right and left. When you can't overcome a specific person's point of view, then you have to take out that person. You have to insult them or worse. I mean... For how many of you, does watching the news or reading Facebook posts just get your blood boiling when you see a different point of view? Do we have ears to hear? So what about us? This is interesting in terms of history. I mean, if you care for this sort of thing, some of you are like, Sabbath, I was bored as soon as you said the word. And some of you are thinking, I'm not currently engaged in some sort of Facebook debate over the proper way to keep the Sabbath. So how does any of this apply to me? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three prayers, super quick prayers that we can think about that help us engage in kingdom thinking as we navigate the controversy and complexity in our world. Just three prayers. So before you hit send on that text or that Facebook comment or before you say that thing, here's three prayers that we should pray to help us navigate controversy and complexity. Number one, God grant me wisdom. Remember, kingdom thinking isn't always turn-by-turn directions. We are going to need wisdom to see how God's truth applies in a world that the landscape has shifted and is shifting. It's about how we see the world. You won't always be able to find the perfect verse. I know we try to force it sometimes, but it's not always there. So instead, we ask God to, through the Spirit, grant us wisdom. The second prayer we need to pray is, God, show me your heart. God, what do you value? Because there is a way that feels technically right, but doesn't lead to God's heart. When he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, that is God's heart. And then the third prayer we need to pray, and I think this would resolve so many problems and so many conflicts, is if we prayed, God, let me consider them over myself. Because when you examine Jesus' kingdom thinking, his questions that unraveled that complexity, it came down to compassion and empathy. He says, how much more important is a person than a sheep? But rules are rules. Well, no, values, God's heart. In fact, maybe a good way for you to navigate controversy is to think this. How much more is a person than fill in the blank, whatever it is that you have in that spot? So here's my prayer for us is that may we follow Jesus and see the world he w- he, the way he would and then navigate through those complexities in, in, with the wisdom of kingdom thinking. All right, join us next week. We're going to dig into a passage of scripture where Jesus asks nine questions in the span of five verses. It's a pretty hilarious passage, uh, but it really uh, drives home a truth that we often forget. So as we wrap up, let's say a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for giving us access to a new way of thinking. God, I know that so many of us uh, are engaged in trying to sort through difficult situations that we maybe don't fully understand, but we are emotionally invested in. Lord, we are being exposed to differences of opinion, different ways of thinking, and some people don't know what to do but just to get mad. I pray, God, that you would help us navigate uh, complexity in the same way that Christ would, by by thinking about the values and concerns and character uh, of you, to to apply the way you want the world to be to the way that we engage in these everyday conversations and the way that we think. God, I pray that you would help us to engage in kingdom thinking this week. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll talk to you next week.